Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nucleus Investment Insights. Today we ask the question, are NVIDIA and AI stocks in a boom or a bubble? NVIDIA has been on absolute tear as it's a supplier to the burgeoning AI industry, as had the tech stocks that actually provide the AI technology. We and a lot of the rest of the world like NVIDIA because it supplies the AI industry. There are going to be winners and losers in AI software, just like any new emerging technology. But we are confident the industry as a whole will grow over time. This makes suppliers to the industry like NVIDIA attractive. We're going to dive into the eternal questions of any fund manager. What's the stock worth and is there more upside to come? Today, as always, we have Damien Klassen, Nucleus Wells co-founder and chief investment officer. Damo, welcome. Hi, Sam. My name's Sam Kerr. I'm the senior financial advisor at Nucleus Wealth. Just a reminder, the information in this podcast is general advice and does not take into account your personal situation. If you do want to discuss your personal financial situation, please go to our website at nucleuswealth.com and you can book a call with me to have a no obligation chat. We are live every Thursday at 12.30 Australian Eastern Time. So jump onto the Nucleus Wealth YouTube channel and you can ask any questions that come to mind and we'll do our best to answer them during the show. You can also follow us on your preferred podcast platform as our show is available on all the majors. So that's all the housekeeping demos. So I'll hand over to you to get the ball rolling. Thanks. So um, NVIDIA. Uh, up to well, touched briefly off uh, off a billion dollars back a fair bit last night, but um, uh, it's a big story, you know. And 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 there's a whole bunch of other stocks as well uh, related in terms of the AI uh, that have all uh, been on a, a pretty big run since Nvidia made its announcement um, and upgraded its, its sales forecasts last week. Uh, and so, what we really wanted to do is just sort of touch on on that, I guess, um, how you can play in the cycle, what. What some of the numbers are, and what, and I guess the, the thoughts behind, um, you know, investments in this sector and, and, and what it might mean. Uh, there's, it's sort of a, it's a very interesting test case in, in terms of trying to work out, um, you know, where, where's the value in terms of AI. And, uh, we've done a few different, uh, podcasts on, on AI and one in particular where, where we dug a lot into the, to, to the background behind it. So I'll only just sort of touch briefly on our, on our outlook and then, um, we'll sort of follow, you know, I guess if, if you want more detail, there's another podcast out there. You can, you can jump on from, uh, about a month ago or so. Uh, and so, you know, the, the big picture really is that we're treating AI much the same as sort of the introduction of the internet or, or the introduction of personal computers into, into, um, organizations in that it, there's going to be this huge productivity gain as a whole bunch of people get easy access to um, something that was otherwise hard to access uh, beforehand. And so, um, and that's going to, you know, that's going to create significant productivity gains for, for, for a lot of people involved. Um, our take was that it was going to be uh, that a lot of the uh, benefits were going to accrue sort of across the, the, the price chain and, and that you sort of had to watch from between uh, different industries where, where it accrued to different areas. Sometimes it, a lot of it would accrue to the workers within that sectors. Um, often, though, it's it's probably going to uh, accrue to the companies 
who are getting productivity gains and, and not needing as many workers um, behind that. And so, uh, yeah, so lots of different lots of different people coming out, but but let's sort of go to to Nvidia and, and what and and what's happened. So um, the I've got a chart just sort of showing uh, from Bloomberg, just sort of showing the Nvidia versus Intel and, and AMD, which are the other two big sort of big chip makers. Um, and you can see this well, well, what even even this was a couple of days ago um, before it sort of touched off the, the billion dollar mark, but. But this, it's worth way more than um, uh, than AMD and Intel put together. Trillion uh, dollar mark, demo. Yes, trillion dollar mark. Sorry, trillion dollar mark. Um, uh, so, and and you know those those two have got uh, in particular Intel, you know, significantly higher sales. Um, and then there's a question about you know how, how valuable and 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 how important um, the the Nvidia um, uh, chips are. Uh, short sellers have been taking a big bath. There's a, there's a, some some stats out sort of suggesting they've lost you know uh, eight billion dollars in losses, and so potentially there's some some um, you know some short sellers that might that might cop it on Nvidia. Uh, that's valuation wise, it's it's quite expensive, um, and so that's where we wanted to jump in. You know what's what's justified, what's not justified, how big can this market be, and, and what are the pros and cons? Because it's it is a really interesting test case. So um, the first thing is. You know, what, what really sparked it was they've got a uh, sales to data centers, which is sort of one of the measures, and uh, they basically doubled the, the sale. They're expecting the, the sales to, to uh, data centers to double over the next uh, 90 days. So, um, yeah, very impressive growth to be able to double your sales to one, one of your major market or your biggest market segment in 90 days. And the question is, you know, how much growth is behind that? What's, you know, what's, what's following on and, and where is that going to, and, you know, where does it, where does that lead? You know, is this this permanent increase? Is it a, is it a short term increase or, or whatever? Um, uh, so that's a big positive. A few months ago, we had a a, a, um, a China ban um, come from Biden. So some of the high end um, Nvidia chips and a lot of the a lot of the best AI chips that they've got are, are banned from being sold within China. And so uh, China's out there trying to create competitors and, and trying to create other chips themselves that are, that are doing it. Um, it's worth noting that they are um, certainly the industry leader in terms of this space. Uh, they sort of started from from uh, graphics chips for for gaming, and the the, the benefit of, of graphics chips was they, the types of calculations that you, you do to uh, to show um, uh, realistic gaming screens are actually very similar to the types of calculations that need to be done uh, in in terms of AI. And so what that meant was there was quite a um, you know, they already had a, a skill set within the, the business that could quite easily transition across, and, and you know they created a lot of these AI chips um, uh, very early in the game, and uh, are now really reaping the benefit in terms of uh, being very far away the, the industry leader, and I think um, and, and getting you know massive market shares within that within that market as well. And, and one of the key things though is that uh, it's not just a hardware solution. What they've really done is is built sort of the systems and software around this, so that people who are looking to sort of integrate this into their machines or integrate this into their work processes or whatever it is, have this whole suite of, of um, uh, software and, and elements around it that, that really make Nvidia um, put put them in a, in a in a in a sort of market leading position and and hard to catch up because the others have to build the uh, not only build the, the the hardware and everything around it, but also actually build the whole this whole um, ecosystem. Uh, but another factor though that feeds into it is um, 
they're not actually they don't actually produce the chips themselves so it's not as if they're sitting here with this um wondrous uh so, so they're designed and, and they've got all the chips um sort of down but they but then they most of the chip uh, production actually gets done by uh taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company so tsmc um and so uh you know that you know that there's somebody if somebody else can come up with a similar design or, or, or crack some sort of design mode there's somebody who can make it really quickly um you, you've got this, this this major company out there that's that's um that's, that's actually doing the production of it so it's not as if um you know if you're thinking about what's what's uh what's nvidia's moat um the actual production side isn't it's the design side and and, and the other parts that go behind it so um yeah, so so sort of sitting in this in this really interesting sort of um, position with with sort of positives and negatives. Um, the other thing you get is that uh, the earnings from some of their other sectors haven't been as as um, haven't been as consistent as what you might like from a you know what you, what you call a high high quality company. And some of that's bounced around by um, been bounced around by the uh, cryptocurrency. So I've got a chart uh, table just up showing. Um, some of the revenue by segment. Um, don't worry, yeah, that's sort of just breaking it up into sort of their main sort of five different areas of gaming, data centers, uh, professional visualization, autos, and OEM and other. And um, the issue you've got within this is that uh, they were a big supplier of uh, gaming machines or gaming, um, sorry, the, the, the video card within gaming machines that cryptocurrency uh, miners were then using to mine cryptocurrency. And in 2000, and, um, in the sort of mid, oh, sorry, late 2023, uh, Ethereum went from what's called proof of work, which was basically going out and do these complicated calculations and, and we'll give you some Ethereum, to uh, proof, of con a proof of ownership, proof of stake. Um, which is basically cut the the electricity needs and and the and the processing needs down by um, sort of ninety nine plus percent in terms of the amount of work that was actually need to be done. And the idea behind this was exactly this this idea that you know Bitcoin faces all the time is it uses the electricity of a, a small country basically in in wasted um, doing useless calculations to prove that you've done the work in order to get some Bitcoin. And, and Ethereum sort of went away from that and went okay rather than doing that we're going to we're going to go to to this other model. Now, NVIDIA chips don't get used for Bitcoin broadly. They're not the top, they're not the, uh, Bitcoin's got this, um, this particular type of calculation and, and, um, and constraints uh, that meant that, that NVIDIA chips weren't, weren't ideal for it. So they never really got used for it. But they did get used for um, Ethereum. And uh, that's why the gaming sector, we sort of went from $3 billion, $3.5 billion worth of uh, revenue per quarter fell to you know by the third quarter it was back to 1.5 um it sort of bounced back again to to 2.2 but you know the question is when you've got a, a company that more than halves its its division um you know how much of their revenue uh from that gaming was was really just crypto mining um and in particular ethereum within that so so you've got this this extra component of you know that's um it, it could have easily been, and, and nobody really knows, and they, they actually got fined for not not disclosing as, as, as much as they should have. And they were trying to stop people from using their 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 um uh their, their 
their chips to to actually do Ethereum mining because they wanted to, to sell it more to gamers and, and, and other people use it for, for more legitimate purposes. But um, but then people would hack it and, and and use them again, and they because they had the sort of market leading chip, that was what that was what led. So they probably yeah you know, for a company that was making um, you know twenty five billion ish in sales, it's possible that at least five of that, maybe as much as ten of that, was coming from um, was coming from crypto mining, and then that sort of disappeared, and that's where we saw the share price tank last year as as all the Ethereum as that sort of flowed through and because nobody really knew how much was done and even even um nvidia themselves wouldn't have known you know what people were using the chips for once once they're buying them and so um yeah so that's that sort of sitting on one side um if you look at some of the other parts for professional visual visualization well that actually fell um that sort of cut by 60 odd percent 60 or 70 percent as well over that same, same time period um you know auto has been increasing but it's a pretty small part and and the oem stuff actually had some specific um, gaming specific crypto chips had made that, that never really caught on that well. There, there was they probably sold a couple hundred million dollars worth, but um, yeah, the net effect crypto has really changed um, what's been happening with this company. So uh, at the moment, it doesn't look like they're going to benefit that much from crypto. Maybe what you could see is that you know maybe one of their, their future chips and and Bitcoin will be you know more compatible and and, and you get a lift from that, but. The flip side is maybe you get just more and more um, uh, more and more cryptocurrencies moving to proof of stake rather than, than proof of work, and maybe you know where the profits are now um, might tail up a little bit further as some of the, the rest of the other um, you know it's still um, Nvidia chips are still useful for some forms of crypto. It's just not not the uh, not the main ones. So you know, and Ethereum and, and Bitcoin were the, were the two main ones. So that's that's sort of the, you know what's been going on with that segment. So that's sort of you know a, a flip side to a, to a to a negative. But you know as you can see from these numbers, they sort of grown their data centers from from three billion dollars um, you know a year and a bit ago, and sort of grow, just gradually increasing every period, every period, and 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 this jump from um, you know four four and a bit billion dollars in in the latest quarter to to over eight billion dollars they're expecting in the in the next quarter. Um, okay, so that's uh that's a little bit more background the other background i should give is is just on competitors and so within this um you know it depends upon which space you're talking uh within the uh the gpu space so the graphics processing unit space uh amd and 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 i've said maybe intel so intel is a huge competitor in that space um but, but you know who's capable of doing the ai stuff so so amd yes um uh, Google has got its own um, specialist chips that it's, it's trying to introduce. Uh, so does AWS. So both of those use do use Nvidia in, in places and, and and use and are, but are, are trying to get their own chips. Apple's trying to develop its own chips and has that for for um, some of these AI calculations. So you know I guess there's um, three of the four biggest companies in the world are um, are also out trying to trying to hit this space as well. So so Nvidia is clearly the leader. But um, has competitors, and um, you know Google and AWS are two of the biggest data center providers. And so, um, while they are using Nvidia chips, um, you know they they you would think they have a predisposition to using their own chips if they can get them to the certain um, to a certain level. And that there's a you know there's a very very real risk that that in short order, um, you know, uh, you could see. Um, 
the the Google and and um, and AWS switching if, if if they hit the right constraints. Uh, the other thing to note is that uh, it is good to sell to uh, gaming gets you a good revenue, gets you a good margin in, within gaming. Uh, generally speaking, uh, you find that data centers aren't as profitable uh, for, for for equipment manufacturers because some of the bigger ones, um, or, or they tend to buy in, they tend to buy in bulk, uh, and they tend to be less concerned about um, about the latest specs and more concerned about um, you know real value for money because they, they are buying all the time. Everything's very data driven. So uh, as an example, if I'm buying uh, my latest gaming rig and and I can buy a an, an Nvidia chip that's twenty percent better than than everyone else's, and I'm spending three thousand dollars on my gaming rig and and the best Nvidia chip's going to cost me an extra you know an average an average GPU is costing me five hundred bucks and and the, and the the Nvidia one is going to cost three times that, and I, I might, I might go, oh yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm already selling out three thousand. I'll make it four thousand. I'll get the, you know, get the best gaming, the, the best um, chip I can have, and it might be, as I said, twenty percent better, thirty percent better than anyone else's, and and as gamer, that might be worth it to me to, you know, as the cost of my overall rig. Data centers don't think about it that way. They're very, very driven by cost. If your chip is twenty percent better than than everyone else's. Um, they will probably pay you roughly twenty percent more than what they pay everyone else. Um, you know, the question is for for a data center is saying, well, if I need five of your chips, sorry, if I need four of your chips for or, or five of the other chips to to get the same result, well, probably going to uh, you know, it's it's now a price contest. If you're going to charge triple everyone else, I'll say, well, that's fine. I can add, you know, I'll be able to add 10, 10 of the other machines um, to to every four of yours, and, and I'll still be in front, and, and I'll have more. Um, processing capacity. I just need to work out how to how to how to farm it out, and so um, yeah. So I guess what I'm, where I'm getting to is it's great to be growing data centers, and that's clearly a, a, an area that you want to be um, you you really want growth in. And there's a short term impetus where I think there's going to be a lot of switch to to AI, and it's obviously caught the um, the zeitgeist of the, of, of the IT world at the moment, and 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 the business world, and there's going to be lots of people demanding. You know, we need some. We need to be able to put um, artificial intelligence into our into our press release. How do we do that? How, so let's spend some money. Um, so, so there will be a beneficiary of that. But um, the question comes back to how much of a beneficiary, and that's where sort of I want to jump into and, and sort of work through that sort of some of those thoughts as as we go through. Um, and before I sort of get away from the background, so um, uh, I just want to talk about the cyclicality of the sector as well. So. It is a very cyclical sector. Uh, I've got this a chart up of some chip cycles uh, that's just showing that it's it's over about a twenty year period. Uh, we've had sort of four big downturns in that in that time, but but up umpteen little ups and downs. Um, the the uh, orange line at the top of the is the unit sales, and the uh, and and the blue line at the bottom is is the uh, is the actual dollars of sales. But um, it's cyclical, and, and when your sales are so cyclical and change in, in a big way, um, your profits change in, in, in a much bigger way as well. So if we look at um, and I pick two of the bigger ones out there, so so Intel, which for the last twenty years, well, sorry, for 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 twenty of the last twenty five years has been you know the the, the big leader in in um, in central processing and, and a whole range of other uh, factors. Uh, they have certainly haven't been the leader in the last few years. But you know, so as as the biggest player, 
Um, you can see that you know 2000 was pretty profitable for them. Then they were losing money for 2001, basically through 2003. Then they're back to making money. Then they're back to break even. Um, then they made a little bit of money before the financial crisis put them back into loss making. Then they were like up a lot. And then then profits fell, you know, 30 percent into 2015. And then they uh, you know, more than doubled from there. And then they're down 80 percent. You know, over over the last sort of year or two, so it's 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 a wild ride. It's not a, and that's your biggest player in the sector. And and you know, if you looked at Intel um, in two thousand, like they were the, effectively the you know they were the, the new big leader, and they were the ones that were going to you know be taking over and and you know had this had this rosy future. And and um, uh, even despite that, and despite market leadership for most of that time, their earnings been really really cyclical. Then you jump to Micron, which is uh, you know one of the leaders in um, uh, memory chips. So so quite different, but but you know in, in a similar um, quite different in terms of it's not a direct competitor to Nvidia, but but very similar in terms of um, you know it's it's it's, it's exposed to, to similar cycles, and its profits have just you know from year to year it's it's had well in the last twenty years it's had four or five cycles where it's where it's dripped into to negative and and you know very common for it to for its revenues, sorry, for, for, sorry, for its profits to rise a thousand percent and then fall back down, you know, ninety nine percent and then then rise again and and you know doubling and tripling is 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 a, a, a doubling and halving of, of a, uh, a of earnings is is like a mild cycle to them. Like it's usually much much bigger in terms of um, the, the the swings and roundabouts. And that's because what tends to happen in this sector is that you get a lot of investment, um, you get some price signals that, that you know. Chips are high for, for whatever it is, and, and cars can't get enough, and everyone rushes out to build factories, and then all the factories come on at the same time, and there's this excess of chips. Or you produce the, the, the greatest generation of chips at the moment, and then um, as you're, you know, in, in a year and a half, your competitor comes out with something slightly better than you, and, and next thing you go from selling, you know, having a 60% market share to having a 30% market share. And then um, you know, and, and it sort of cycles back and forth. So, as a big picture, um, this is it's a volatile industry that you're in. So, so let me just go take that all the way back now to to sort of recap what, what we're looking at for for Nvidia. So, um, great company within what it's doing. It's got market leadership. It's a huge market share. It's been early into. Um, uh, early into data centers and early into to AI and really established a leading position. So in the, in the box seat in terms of that. But it's in this industry that's really, really cyclical. It's in an industry where in four or five years, companies can lose leadership and, um, and quite dramatically. And uh, we've already seen within its own um, part, you know, that it's had some really big swings in terms of in just in the last year in terms of profitability as you know, crypto went out of out of fashion, or well, you can see you know similar things could could happen again. They've been very volatile in terms of their own uh, their own sort of earnings. So, yeah, how do you put that all together and, and, and give it a price? So, so just to put that in perspective, they're, they're trading on about forty five times earnings at the moment. Um, if you go another year out, you can probably bring it back about thirty five times. Um, that's on consensus numbers. Having said that, consensus is all over the place at the moment. So. If you were really keen about the growth of this market, you could, you know, double. It's looking to double its its uh, its sales in one division in ninety days. Like 
you know, can it do that again a couple of times? Can it, if it can, then, then you know, that PE will come right back to an ordinary level really quickly. Uh, it's really hard to do comps at the moment because as you might've seen on some of those other graphs I showed you, uh, the numbers have actually, we're in a, we're in a, uh, a bit of a winter for, um, uh, for the semiconductors. And so all their, all the profits are really, uh, are, are right down at sort of cyclical lows for most of their competitors. So, so what tends to happen is, you know, across a broader cycle, these things will trade on somewhere between 10 and 15 times price to earnings ratios. So the market might be trading sort of 15 to, you know, 15 to, to 20. And these things will be trading usually at a discount to the market because they are so cyclical and they are, um, much more volatile. So, but then you go, well, uh, you look at say when, when they hit their peak cycle. So Micron, when it hits its peak cycle, it might be trading on two or three times earnings because everyone's looking at their earnings going, okay, you just made 10 bucks a share, but we know that's not sustainable. We know that you're at the top of the cycle and we know that the bottom of the cycle, you're going to be negative. And that's exactly where they are now. So they've got a negative PE because they're sort of sitting at the bottom of the cycle. So it is very hard to do a, a comps, but I guess what I'd be looking at is, you know, can you see a through the cycle sort of earnings of 10 to 15 times? Um, and, and why it's at a discount to the market is because um, you, you are going to get the, uh, uh, you are going to get this cyclicality and you're, you, you can, you can, you can lose leadership. The leadership gets lost, um, you know, every few years, there's, you got to keep coming up with the next, the next greatest and the next greatest. And so uh, it's not like, it's not as embedded in terms of, and, and the technology changes faster. So, so you do have this sort of rapid capex cycle. You need to keep on top of all the time. Um, you, know, you can't just keep living off your past hits. Whereas I think in some other industries, um, that that's clearly can happen. So, you know, if you're a car manufacturer with a great brand name, um, even if you start putting out some dud cars for for a few years, you can still get away with um, you know living off the, the brand name that you've, you've sort of developed over over a number of years. You know, it takes you a while to to to, to get through that. Whereas in the chip sector, um, they're a lot faster, and particularly data centers are a lot faster to go. You know, if your chip's not faster than everyone else's, then you cannot charge a premium. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's valuation wise, but I might go across to you, Sam, before we start talking about where can we go. You know, is how you know where where can these Genuinely, how big is the market in AI? We'll be back with the investment insights very shortly. Nucleus Wealth is an active and passive investment manager. If you like what you're hearing and want some help with the investing, we can do it for you via our active portfolios. Our tactical and core portfolios use the insights shared in this podcast to construct and manage your investment. We blend tactical portfolios to offer our combinations of international shares, Australian shares, government bonds, and cash. We vary the asset allocation with the goal of protecting your capital in times of market uncertainty. We also have active international and Australian share portfolios. These are chosen using our quality and value investment philosophy. You can find out more at NucleusWealth.com. Now back to the show. Right. So what really matters for NVIDIA is how big is this market? And um, I've got a whole bunch of different ways that I'm, that I'm sort of trying to look at this so that you can, um, because, you know, I like to have the sort of the real back of the envelope type numbers. You need to dig through the numbers, make sure they're right. But, but you know, if you can't make it work on in terms of just quite simple calculations, then um, uh, about sizes of markets and, and what people are spending money on, then uh, you, your, your investment story doesn't really stack up. Like, and, and when you talk about growth rates about these, it's like, well, 
if they just doubled in a quarter, well, what happens if they double for the next four quarters and then then only grow by 50%, you know, for the next few? You get these astronomical growth rates that will say these companies worth more than every other company on the planet. And so, yeah, so so really getting an idea of this market size is, is the key part. So um, there's a few different reports out to, that sort of run on this. Uh, you know, what, what are we using it for? So at the moment, um, sort of most of it's being used for, for robotic process automation and, and computer vision. Um, and then, um, uh, and so actually I might jump to this uh, next chart of sort of showing this, this private investment by, by focus. So the interesting part, and I must admit, I couldn't really get to the bottom of exactly why it's happened, but the 2021 numbers are, are actually a lot higher than the 2022 numbers. So we actually saw a big big fall in terms of the amount spent on, on AI. Now, some of that might be companies who are, who are, I guess, classifying it now as part of their ordinary business rather than you know, trying to classify it as, as like this new AI thing that, that they're actually going to break out separately. Um, some of it might just be that there was a, there was a lot of spend in 2021 and, and maybe some of the, the car makers and, and others were, were, were involved, but it seems pretty sector-wide as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a little – and maybe what it was is that the whole um, – uh, you know, there was lots of capital around in, in 2021 and, and, and a lot of uh, easy money and a lot of, you know, uh, capital raisings for, for, for startups. And so maybe that's where, um, you know, why we're seeing such a, a, a change. But um, – you know, medical and healthcare is is the biggest one. Uh, data management, uh, fintech, all sort of the making up the, the top part of the, the spend on that. Uh, and then you're sort of starting to get down um, cybersecurity, data protection, and, and sort of working your way through the, the rest of the sectors. But it, it's broad based. There's a lot of different sectors involved, um, and and a lot spent. Um, if we put those sort of back into perspective uh, about how it's grown over the last sort of decade. Uh, you know, it's obviously much, much higher. Uh, we had sort of 120-ish billion spent in 2021, uh, closer to 90 billion in, in 2022. So, you know, how high can we go in terms of this spend, uh, this AI spend in, in, in 2023 and, and beyond? So uh, one of the first things I want to highlight is that China makes up about 15 to 20% of that. So we sort of need to cut that out of the, what you know what's possible for Nvidia uh, almost straight away, or cut out a big chunk of that. In that China's uh, not going to be keen, given they're, they're cut out of the latest greatest chips, uh, it's it's unlikely they're going to spend all their money on on um, buying Nvidia chips from from five years ago in the hope that they'll catch up to to what everyone else is doing with the latest chips. They're more likely to be spending a lot of their money on on their own research and their own development. Uh, in terms of the AI chips and, and, and things like that, so so we sort of cut out the cut out the Chinese money. Um, I think then you can uh, so that sort of brings you back to sort of 120 billion ish um, that you're that, that, sorry more like 110 billion um, 100, 100 110 billion in in 2021, you know probably back to 80 odd billion in in 2022. So you know I, th I think if we call the starting point, let's call the starting point 100 billion. And then say, well, look, you know, how fast can we grow? It's obviously captured everyone's attention, um, and we'll look at it from there. And the other thing I, I'd just like to highlight is, um, in terms of job postings, it's actually up to about almost two percent of job postings um, in the US now are, are for some sort of AI um, type uh, type job, and whether that's data science or or um, 
you know, various things that, that are sort of tangentially um, attributable. But it's uh, you know the, the number of jobs out there is is has grown significantly over that over that decade. So I might um, oh sorry and the other one other thing and then we might jump to I'll jump to you Sam for for, for another message um, and, and then we'll get into some of the calculations about market size is if you look at the the, the companies involved so there are three thousand three and a half thousand companies involved in in terms of getting to those numbers. Um, uh, you know, about 500-ish are spending over uh, 50 million a year on it. Um, there's a you know a handful have been spending over uh, a billion dollars a year, and uh, the the bulk of those are spending under 50 million. But um, you know, we'll we'll use that to sort of put some rough figures behind, trying to come up with 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 um, some calculations. But you know, I guess I guess in a in a in a broad sense, we sort of need to keep in mind that. Uh, yes, companies are going to spend lots on AI, but there's probably a limited number that are really going to spend, you know, the the, the serious serious money on it, and uh, there's and and the number of companies that that can actually genuinely afford to spend, you know, fifty million million dollars say on on um, on AI is is not that big in terms of the you know there's so there's a limits on the on the way down. Yeah. So anyway, let's jump, I'll jump across to you and let's then we'll put it all together after that. We'll be back again shortly. If you like what you're hearing, but want a low cost passive option, Nucleus Wealth is the first to offer passive direct indexing in Australia. The first generation of passive investing was index funds. The next gen was ETFs. Now direct indexing is here with significantly more customization and control. The benefit of direct indexing is you can add or subtract investment themes, and we have almost a hundred different options to choose from. For example, you could buy an international share direct index portfolio that excludes fossil fuels and arms manufacturers and has a tilt towards cybersecurity and cloud computing. Alternatively, you could buy a portfolio with no screens and an extra exposure to nuclear power and defense contractors. You can find out more at nucleuswealth.com. Now back to the show. Damo, I've just got a question. So at that, on that chart that we've got up there, uh, the two previous charts, so we see 2021 total companies 4,000, mm. about 4,000, and then 2022 is about 3,500 companies, which seems a little strange. You know, you think with the growth in AI, there'd be more companies uh, year on year. So, I mean, do you have, yeah. do you think, have you got an answer for that? Yeah, well, I'm guessing that what's happening is a lot of this is being wrapped into um, ordinary operations, and maybe some of it's being reclassified, but maybe some of it being a, a bit better reclassified. So it might be that uh, you know somebody who had a data scientist had a couple of data scientists running running around um, doing doing analysis, but not really that that AI focused. But you know they, the company would call it AI um, because that was you know that was that was key. To the part. There was a lot of capital raising in 2021. So I do think some of that was, you know, startup companies that, that sort of raised capital in 2020, 2021, and, and then probably ran out of money. Um, there's probably a reasonable amount of those in there as well. Um, but um, yeah, it's there's not a I don't I don't have a I don't have a great answer and and, and I don't know, you know, from from uh, reports I've been reading, it's it's hard to pin down people on why why there was such a significant fall in terms of from, from 2021 to 2022. Yeah. Okay. Well, it seems like a pretty plausible answer. I, I thought I might have stumped you on that one, but um, as always, yeah. you've got you've got a good yeah. good explanation. 
Yeah. So let's let's have a quick sort of go at a market size then from this. Is you go, okay, so we're starting with that either 125 or 90 billion. We're deducting most of China and you go back to whatever, 100 billion ish. And you say, okay, well, what, how about if we went to 300 billion in, in short order? So we basically tripled the size of, of the market in, 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 a, in, a, in a short period of time. So the real question for this is, and particularly in, in particular for NVIDIA is, you know, if somebody's going to spend, say, a million dollars, you've got a company and you're thinking, you know what, this AI I think sounds pretty interesting. You know, whatever we're doing, we might be making widgets and we think we can use AI to, to design it better or, we're, you know, whatever, whatever we're doing, we're, we've got a, um, you know, we're, we're a shopping center and we want to use AI to, to recognize what people are scanning so, so they don't steal as much and all that. I'm going to spend a million dollars. What am I going to do with it? Um, the bulk of that money, as far as we can tell, is going on salaries. So, you know, I'm going to spend a million dollars. I'm going to stick on three or four um, data scientists at 150 to $200,000 each and, and, um, and they're going to run all their tests and, and, and then they're going to run, they're going to, they're going to set things up and then they're going to run it on the hardware. And so, you know, if they're spending a million dollars, do they spend, do you spend 80% of it on salaries? Probably, possibly more. Um, I feel like there's going to be some uh, particular use cases where you're going to spend uh, more on your, your processing because what's going to happen is you've got, you're going to have really da large data sets that you need, to, you need to go through and process. On the flip side, um, it's quite possible you, you'll spend less because you might have a, quite a focused data set. So uh, you know, if you're, say, a biotechnology company and you might have, I don't know, let's, let's say you're looking at people's smartwatches and, and pulling data from, from you know, hundreds of millions of people on the smartwatches and trying to work out they're having heart attacks or doing whatever from some sort of, some sort of analysis on it. Is your data set is big, like you, you've got you know, terabytes of data, but it's not that big in terms of, you know, chat GPT, um, you know, trying to process half the internet to, to work out, you know, it, it, its model. So, you know, I, I guess where I'm getting to is, some companies might spend more than twenty percent, but but there'll be a bunch of companies as well that might be spending might only be spending five percent of their budget on on actual processing power. So let's call it twenty percent. So we've got two hundred billion dollars extra. Um, twenty percent of that's being spent on data. Uh, that gives us uh, and, and post data processing. So that gives us sort of forty billion dollars um, sort of new new spend that would, that needs to be covered. Now um, let's say half of that gets spent on on your hardware and and then, so because because there's a, you know, you, you're going to um, so if you're going to go out and, and do this, you know, there's other there's other costs in terms of the people to run it and, the, and your electricity and you know all these other factors that go into it, um, and so yeah, so so not all of that's hardware. So let's say half of that's hardware. Now I've called I said half again on AI chips. That's probably um, being pretty optimistic for AI chips. So uh, you know you've got to pay for your memory and your your um, and, and you know all the all the other bits and pieces that go into to PCs, um, but you know let's let's say half of it ends up in AI chips, and that sort of gives you about five percent of that two billion dollar two hundred billion. So so that gives you about ten billion dollars of extra money going into AI chips, um, you know, and, and on, on an annual basis. So that's a sort of a, you know going forward and it'll probably grow a little bit or, or whatever. Um, having said that, you know maybe there's a bit of a rush for the first few years where you get lots, and then data centers actually have all this processing power and now they can sell it you know sell it out back out to, to people and and uh they might not or there might be a bit of a rush to get ai processing up and running for a few years and then it might die off a bit but i guess if, if 10 billion dollars was all it's all it's coming through well that's that's actually already factored in pretty much i mean 
they're already talking about $4 billion a quarter. So, so you know, my numbers must be out a little bit on that. Um, there must be a, bit, a, a bigger rush or, or maybe some of it, you know, more, there's, there's, a, there's a faster move forward, like data centers actually need to, to invest a bit more now, but, but um, you know, the, the spending will drop off faster. But I guess, you know, ballpark, I guess what I'm saying is that it just doesn't look as if, um, it doesn't look from this perspective that the market's that big. So, uh, yeah, so, let's, so that's one way of looking at it. So let's try and look at it a, a, a different way. Oh, actually, sorry. And, and the other thing I said, in terms of 300 billion, you know, if you had 3,000 companies spending $100 million each, um, you know, the top 3,000 companies um, from a uh, from, from the globe, like if you looked right around the world and said, okay, what's the top 3,000 companies? By the time you get down to number 3,000, you're probably talking about a billion dollars in market cap. So, you know, if company number 3,000 was spending $100 million, um, that would actually be spending probably its entire profit and maybe more on, on, a, on AI. So that seems unlikely, but, you know, it's potential that unlisted companies, governments, and some of the bigger ones will take up, you know, we're spending billions of dollars and, and take up some of the average. But, you know, it's not, there's not a, um, uh, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is the numbers don't sort of obviously stand up to being sort of uh, wildly low. So, so that's one way of doing it. I want to do it a different way to see whether we end up with the same types of numbers. Um, and this time, what I want to do is look at um, infrastructure spending by uh, um, infrastructure spending on cloud computing. So, if we sort of break that up in, in that direction, what you see is they sort of break it into three different areas. Um, one is uh, what's called telco capex, and that's um, so. This is what data centers are out there spending, and cloud computing guys are out there spending every year to keep their to keep everything going. And so, your telco capex, which is all your um, your, your, your ADSL lines and, and fiber and, and all that type of stuff is sort of running at that 250 billion and really hasn't changed for the last whatever number of years. Um, uh, and I would say that that's, uh, that's unlikely to grow. That's unlikely to be a big part of it, the AI. Like most of the AI is going to be, the data is so big, it, it'll get done on a data center and it won't be sort of moved. You're unlikely to be moving between data centers and spending lots of money on on, on data, you're likely to gather all your data in one spot and then run all your analysis there. So that's that's unlikely to grow. Um, your enterprise IT uh, infrastructure is sort of all the parts that goes around that to, to get to it. And then the, the, the one we're really focused on is this, what they call hyperscale CapEx. And that's the part about scaling up and, and running the PCs and or running the, the servers to, to, to do the calculations. And that's the part that has been growing quite quickly it's about 200, 200, 250 billion of spend um, at the moment by data centers. So, so if we look at that part and say, okay, they, they're currently spending about 250, uh, sorry, it's about 200 billion on, on, on that part of it. Um, could they take it that to 500 billion? So could they, could they increase their spending by, could they double it plus 50% and go, well, yeah, maybe, I suppose over, over a period, you know, I guess if we're talking about over a you know, three or four year period, um, it's a pretty big ask, you know, to go, you know, we saw that the, the growth's been reasonable, but, but you know, it's certainly within the realm of possibility and, and, and it's probably worth sort of starting, a starting point for evaluation. So then you say, okay, so we're going to 500 billion in spend, that, that's gonna add another 300 billion. Now of that money, about half of it, a little bit more than half goes to data centers um, and the rest goes to sort of other factors of your, all your, um, you know, you, your warehousing and supply and staff and you know all these other bits and pieces that go into it. So uh, 
So, so let's call that 160 billion uh, goes into your data centers. Data centers, you know, make a decent margin, and especially if there's a lot of demand and, and uh, you know, everyone's trying to get AI. So I've said 30% margin, um, that's being generous. You know, if there's, if there's a huge demand and, and people want double the, the processing, you know, data centers might be making 50% margins, you know. Um, it, it could easily, I think I've been quite conservative there, but, but you know, so, so that sort of leaves you, so, so that gets rid of 50 odd billion worth of, um, worth of your money goes to the data center. And that sort of leaves you with about $110 billion left to, to, as we're sort of working our way down is what's left to spend on, on the um, service. So uh, then, so, so then the da- what's the data center's actual costs? Now they spend about 50 to 60% on, or 55 to 60% on servers. The rest goes on all their power and networking and infrastructure and, and, and all those bits. So you've got about 65 billion left to spend on your servers. Um, how much is being, the server is gonna go into AI chips? Look, I've said 20%, maybe it's higher, maybe it's 30%, 40%. Um, but traditionally it's been, it's been a big cost, but it hasn't been, you know, you, you, you hasn't been your, your overall cost. You, you, your primary, like it hasn't been more than 50%. Um, and so, yeah, so that would give you somewhere between say 15 and 30 billion, um, extra spend on AI chips. And, um, and so that's sort of basically, so that's a lot higher than the number we just, we just spoke, but it's in the same sort of realm. You know, we come out with $10 billion a year, which, which does look too low given NVIDIA's upgrades. 15 to 30, you know, again, pretty, pretty, pretty good growth within, within that sector. But again, it's basically what they've already reported in terms of their upside. So, um, yeah, net effect is the market's there. It's, it's big, but a, and it's going to be huge and it's going to grow really quickly. But how much of it will actually go into the chips and how much it will go into staff um, and, and other factors around it, my bet is um, a lot more will be ending up in the staff. And the real example that I want to bring back is, um, is Cisco. Now, Cisco, I think, to me, feels like a similar type of company um, relative at the start of the internet. So we had this company, um, and Cisco does all the routers, and, and the whole idea was that they were selling the, the picks and shovels to, to, to everyone as the internet boomed. And this, co- this company would, would be the real beneficiary of, as the internet grew and, and you know, all these proliferated that these were the guys that were going to win out because they're the highest quality and, 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 and had the best routers. And that, that's largely been true for the last 25 years. Um, if you look at their profit, um, great profit growth. I think in 1999, this is their forward profit growth. In 1999, they were earning, you know, less than four, less than uh, 40 cents in terms of um, earnings per share. Now it's like four. It's going to be they're expecting four bucks next year. So you get ten times increase in their in their profitability over a 20 year period, which is pretty good. And, and it's been pretty. It's been a pretty straight line up. There's been a you know a few downturns, but it's but it's a pretty good line. That's the type of company that you're like, yes, I'd like to buy that. It's solid, you know. It's 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 a good earner in terms of company. If you had have invested in Cisco in 2000, you would still be down about 30 odd percent on your money, despite this profit growth. So if we look at a chart of Cisco, um, you know, peaked at uh, almost 80 bucks, and it's at 50 bucks today. So the idea is. Cisco's great company. Like we, we own it within our portfolio now, but we bought it on 10 times. We didn't buy it on 100 times earnings <laughs> that you would have done back in, in, um, in 1999 or 2000. Like the idea is there is a price to pay for everything. And Cisco is a very key um, 
uh, you know, is a very key part of the internet and, and it's a very high quality company and still gets looked upon as, as, you know, if you're buying a router, then Cisco is one of the first ones everyone will look at because of, because of the quality. And NVIDIA feels the same way to me. Yes, high quality, good quality chips, all that type of stuff like that. But does the real power sit with NVIDIA or does it sit with other players within the system? And, you know, my contention is it sits with other players in the system. I am more than happy to own NVIDIA at the right price. Um, but, you know, paying 50 times what could be peak cycle earnings, um, uh, it might be low. You know, maybe, and maybe this thing will go to 100 or 200 or 300 times earnings. It, it could easily do. You know, I don't know whether I'd want to be shorting NVIDIA, but, you know, in terms of getting a, a value for money, um, uh, it's, it's not the type of stock that, uh, that I'd want to be putting into my portfolio at, at, at current levels. Love to have it at lower levels, but um, but yeah, but not at not at current levels. Um, so we might go to oh, actually, I think I've lost a few greens there. I had some um, oh, that, that's right, that's right. What do I want to? Oh, I'm missing yeah, missing a slide there. Um, there's what I want to talk about is your alternatives. So what you can invest in instead of um, uh, Nvidia. So there's a range of ones. We've got a, we've got a couple of screen, a couple of tilts you can do on our portfolios. So um, we have a robotics and uh, an and AI tilt, and we have a cloud computing tilt. So all those things I spoke about in terms of this this growth in this sector, and, and how I was running the numbers through and talking about how much was going to end up, you know, if if what ends up with data centers, data centers really do look like they're going to be one of the the, the key beneficiaries of this. Um, they make good margins. If there's a demand for more processing than what they can handle, and particularly in AI, then they will put their prices up to ration that. And so, um, yeah, I can very much see that um, you know data centers are, are, are one of the, be one of the key beneficiaries. Uh, a company like uh, Taiwanese Semiconductor, or, or actually not even a company like Taiwanese Semiconductor Manufacturing um, (TSMC) is going to grow because it's got um, you know it, it produces this stuff for. For, for NVIDIA. And if competitors pop up, there's a pretty decent likelihood they'll be producing um, for those competitors as well. Um, you've got companies like uh, ASML that, do, that makes the machines that TSMC uses that, that, that go into this. Um, you know, that's, that's again another type of company where um, a lot, they're a lot more stable in terms of the margins. I think the moats are broader. Um, they, they, they're not a cyclical, they're still part of the same sector, but, but not a cyclical, and they are going to benefit from uh, the demand you get from NVIDIA and the demand from others if, if NVIDIA ever loses its, its, its market leadership. Um, there's, uh, you know, within that cloud computing space, uh, you know, the big ones, Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, are you, there are a range of smaller ones. Um, so within our tilts and screens, you can sort of jump on and, and grab some of those. Uh, Within the robotics and AI, yeah, you know, we do have Nvidia within that that part of it. Um, there's also a bunch of other companies. Ones like um, uh, that, that are involved in robotics as well as um, some of the AI. So, um, uh, Intuitive Surgical does uh, robotic surgery, robotic surgeries, and, and sells machines around around that. And so, you know, that, that's the type of company you can sort of pick up within um, within those, or, or for Nuke Corp or, or SMC that sort of run a lot of the the um, uh, the connections between robot, robots and, and, and computers and, and, and run a lot of the systems behind those. ABB, um, you know, one of the world's largest robotics manufacturers. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of companies within those screens and tilts. 
then within our active portfolios, we have sort of certain ones as well, which we, we pick up with, with exposure to these. So we do have access to most of the data centers. Um, we've got um, exposure as well to, to some of these robotics companies and, and ones that we think are, are going to um, are more, are more attractively priced within ours. So, so that's those. Um, let's go to the question of the week, and then I'll let's do the I'll do the investment roundup on um, on the types of stocks, the, the broader picture types of stocks you should be looking for. Okay, so now we have the question of the week. This is for viewers to so have some discussion in the comment section over the coming days. The question for this week is: Is Nvidia at the start of a boom or in the middle of a bubble? So feel free to post your thoughts and engage with us and some of the other viewers over the coming days. And Damo, back to you for investment implications. Yes, so um, it's, I want to come back to the same thoughts we had last time behind the. Uh, uh, so, for anyone who hasn't listened to our, our our AI sort of podcast, what we did was we looked a lot at who is going to who's going to suffer and who's going to benefit. And in terms of benefiting, um, same story: big tech, um, cloud computing, chip makers are, are you, 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 you big ones. And I don't want to say Nvidia is not benefiting they are definitely benefiting from this it's just a question about saying where am i paying for and, and what's the you know at, at what stage do i um decide that you know too much is is i don't, I don't want to run into the cisco problem um we want we want quality stocks monopolies and oligopolies they're the ones that are going to have the pricing power where um basically if you become more if a company becomes more productive there's a few different ways that that's going to get filtered out sometimes that'll get filtered out as to more profit for the company so um, you know, I, I become 20% more, you know, can cut 20% of my costs out and I've got lots of pricing power, right? I'll, I'll keep charging that money and, and, um, I'll make, you know, stacks more profit. Another company which doesn't have the pricing power, um, because they're in a highly competitive sector, they cut their costs by 20%. All their competitors all do the same. All the competitors start cutting their prices to pick up market share. They have to cut their market prices to pick up market share and the consumers are the real benefits beneficiaries um there'll be other companies out there where uh you know we spoke about some lawyers and and doctors where what you might find say for a lawyer is uh, a lawyer had three different assistants that all he'd say you know go and write me up this type of contract and go and do this part of it and go do this part of it and then bring it all back and then you know the, the three assistants have done 80 percent each and he puts it all together and then fixes the, fixes up their mistakes and and then puts it out. Um, a lot of that will be done by our owner. He might be able to fire a couple of those. And 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 then the question is, you know, does that lawyer have enough power within the business to actually charge much higher rates and actually, you know, does the benefit accrue to, to a higher salary to the to the higher valued employees? And so that might be that might be the case in some of them. So, but if you can find these quality stocks, the ones with monopolies, oligopolies, high margins, ability to you know, a shown ability over time to maintain those margins. That they're the ones that are going to um, you know, really benefit from um, from productivity gains because they're the ones that will be able to hold on to the prices and get the higher prices. Um, healthcare and high service cost businesses. You know, if you're in a service, high service cost business, um, there is a reasonable chance that you'll be able to um, you know, cut some of your costs um, through through AI. Uh, defense stocks. There's certainly a lot of money going to be spent on on defense um, within this. And then the final one that interest rate sensitive um, in terms of benefiting is is this idea that well if if AI is going to is going to be particularly good and particularly um, is is going to really drive some productivity gains then that probably means lower inflation and it probably means um, you know especially in the service sector industry and so potentially means lower interest rates as well. On the flip side, value stocks um, 
the, the cheaper stocks tend not to be able to have that much pricing power. So they're the ones that, that generally will get hit. Uh, intermediaries, if you know, uh, there's still some sectors where intermediaries are left. Uh, the internet got rid of a lot of intermediaries, um, just sort of cut them out of the equation in terms of people could react, you know, say a travel agents, you know, I no longer needed to go through a travel agent most of the time to, to get to, to where I wanted to go. Um, the internet cut off most of those. Uh, AI is going to finish off, you know, a lot of the remaining ones, you know, whatever's left. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be, I'd be nervous. I'd be certainly if, if the business model is basically buying from one person and selling to another, um, you want to be sort of trying to work out, you know, um, uh, how stable that is and, and what the real threats are. Um, and then, yeah, there's these idea of broadly competitive industries and, and disruptable industries that I ran through a whole bunch of ones that, um, you know, have, um, I guess issues in terms of, you know, will will the industry be around, um, you know, post this? So, you know, if you're a copywriter, for example, um, you you just might not have a uh, there's might no longer be the demand for you. So, so say in advertising, for example, um, you know, there there's there may be a, a large part of it that can be disrupted, and and you're sort of left with a few individuals rather than sort of big advertising companies that are running this. So, yeah. Lots of different ones, and then I guess I'll point to that other video for, for a broader of the disruptable sectors. But um, yeah, lots to uh, lots for people to think about in those investment views. Yeah, and Damo, I just want to touch on the screens and tilts again, uh, and throw out a couple of ideas of how uh, people can play this AI theme within the nucleus wealth portfolios. Mm -hmm. So with the screens, uh, you could exclude the GIX sector information technology stocks. Uh, so that's going to exclude all the IT stocks in that category. And then with the tilts, you can uh, uh, include these as tilts within your portfolio or as a standalone portfolio. Uh, so uh, there's the obvious one, the robotics AI tilt uh, or portfolio if you want. Uh, and then the other ones, there's the cloud computing, which you touched on. There's also large technology stocks. And then you could throw in a, a cybersecurity tilt just for a bit of fun. Um, so yeah, that pretty much wraps us up for today. So Damo, thank you as always, uh, very captivating story. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be interesting to see how this one unfolds over the coming months and years. Thanks, Sam. Excellent. So if you enjoy our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel now, like the video and click the bell below to make sure you don't miss out on any special episodes and future content. Also, if you know of anyone that might get some value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you do share it with them. We do put out a lot of other content in addition to this podcast. We have regular articles that are featured in First Links, Livewire, and we've also been written up in the AFR and the Australian and lots of other major publications. To get all this, subscribe to our weekly Nucleus News and Investment Insights at NucleusWealth.com. We do welcome your feedback in regards to this podcast, uh, especially for future topics. If you do have any ideas, drop it in the comments section below or send us an email to contact at nucleuswealth.com. Also, if you'd like to look at the slides in more detail, we'll post them in the show notes this afternoon and you can view these at nucleuswealth.com forward slash webinars. So for myself, Damien, and the rest of the team at Nucleus Wealth, thanks for watching and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.